0: Welcome to Dark Dive, a Hellbent Holler podcast. My name is Jesse, and this is Joe. And tonight, we're going to take you down a dark yellow brick road. We're discussing infrasound and the Oz Factor and the physical effects of cryptid and UAP encounters. You are listening to Dark Dive. Welcome, everybody. We're so excited to talk about this tonight. This is such a complex and exciting topic that has a lot of debate behind it. Um, a lot of people talk about infrasound and make all of these assumptions about it. So we're here to kind of clear a lot of that up. And we want to really discuss the Oz factor and this strange phenomena that occurs to people after they experience some bout of high strangeness. Um,
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, you would think that just the act of... Seeing or encountering a, a UFO, UAP, or then some sort of cryptid would be, you know, that'd be odd enough. But then you have the other physical effects that seem to kind of go along with it. So,
0: yeah, it's like the encounter itself is a rock being thrown into a pond, and the ripples that follow is the effects known as the Oz factor. Yeah, that's so a good,
1: good analogy. So,
0: um, so, I have notes here because there's a lot of. Yeah. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to we all of this. We want to try to make
1: sure that we follow and we keep this as streamlined as possible because it's so easy just to go off on a tangent, and then every single person out there is going to turn off their, their computer going, this is this is boring. And we so tend we wanna... to
0: babble at each other yeah. all the time anyway. So, so we want to so... try
1: to stay, follow a, a set direction tonight.
0: So let's start with what is the Oz Factor? It's, it's a term that was coined by ufologist Jenny Randall's, and it describes the experience of being seemingly transported or isolated into an alternate reality that is like really similar to the one that you're used to and the one that you're in, but there's just enough differences that you feel uneasy, something is not quite right, and it's almost disturbing to the psyche. Um, and it these experiences tend to happen after you've had an experience with what will I'll refer to as the other uh, when I discuss the other I kind of talk about it in the way that Timothy Renner does from uh, strange familiars it's aliens fairies ghosts something else something mm-hmm. else, else whatever something these are whatever that. we mm-hmm. describe as these other entities I'm just gonna refer to it as the other and um, and it's, there's a lot of different theories on what caused this, but there are so many accounts of this occurring when you encounter UAPs and ghosts and all of these strange and, and wild things. So let's get into what this is, what could cause it, um, and kind of the commonalities between it. Um, it's a feeling that something is not quite right, everything's slightly off, like you, there's feelings of being watched, like there's someone in the room with you. And this tends to follow you in a way. And this kind of makes me think about like the hitchhiker Hitchhiker effect, effect, which we've discussed ad nauseum, but we're Mm going to just keep bringing it up because it just keeps coming up in everything we look into. Um, A lot of times people will start to see entities or Mm inhumanoids in the room with them after an experience seeing a UAP or another creature or what we would refer to as orbs
1: yeah and it's very it's very specific it it goes beyond just a general feeling of unease in some cases um there was an account we read recently where a guy had a, a strange encounter and afterwards he would feel as if somebody was in the room watching him but it was to the point where he could pick out the spot in the room the feeling was coming from yeah um that he could just feel it from that particular part of the room and no other part of the room, and that part would change depending on
0: Mm -hmm.
1: what day this was going on with him. Um, He would have feelings when he walked by dark rooms that something was going to come rushing out of the room at him. Yeah. Uh, He had a feeling of not quite uh, the night hag that you hear, sleep paralysis. He would be asleep, but he would feel that when he closed his eyes, something would be above him, extremely close to his face. Um, And he didn't have these feelings before his encounter. And it took a while for them to kind of eventually fade and go away. But a lot more specific than just being, quote unquote, weirded out. Yeah, well. weirded
0: out. And a lot of times it feels, uh, you know, people that have these encounters seem to say that it feels almost like what deja vu feels like. You know, that real just off balance feeling of deja vu that this has that kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's not just a phenomenon that follows you or happens as an after effect. A lot of times, the Oz factor comes into play during your encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's so many instances of people that are just filled with fear and crippled with fear that they can do nothing. There are other instances of this strange calm.
1: Like a euphoria.
0: Like almost. a complete euphoria. Mm-hmm. And... That is often attributed to, you know, that there's these different kind of signals coming out of the phenomena that is causing this Oz factor. Um, but I think that's what leads to people maybe not picking up that camera that they they have their phone in their hand, mm-hmm. but they don't pick up that camera. They don't pick up that phone and take a photo of what's happening to them, whether it be a UAP or a cryptid or anything like that. And that's that. such
1: a common thread. You read that repeatedly with let's just call them UFO sightings because that's what they were referred to up until recently when the term UAP came along. But people would describe these these very elaborately strange UFO sightings and people would go, Well why didn't you take a photo? And they would go, I don't know. I mean it just didn't it just didn't dawn on me at the time. It wasn't until afterwards. Or people would go, this was such a strange occurrence. I should have been terrified, but to me it just felt completely normal at the time. Yeah. So, like, it's almost like you were, like you said, you've stepped over into Oz. You're in a, just a completely mm-hmm. different place where it's kind of similar, but not all of the same rules apply.
0: Yeah, like so. all of Dorothy's friends mm-hmm. in the real world are just, the, are the exact same actors <coughs> in the that plays everybody in Oz. Everything is the same, but different. With
1: a tinge of oddness to it. So. And just
0: a tinge of, like, haze of mm-hmm. of fantasy in a way Uh, it's got a haze of just fantasticalness to Mm -hmm. it um and i I think that would kind of explain why you know everybody has a phone in their pocket now everybody has this technology right there ready to go they're constantly taking videos and photos of themselves and everything around them your lunch whatever Mm -hmm. you know you're constantly taking photos of stuff but when you have these encounters and you have your phone right there in your pocket you don't seem to pull it out and take a photo do you think that that may be kind of a say that that this effect is something that's that is purposely produced like by, a defense mechanism like a defense almost? mechanism so, so if if this effect on the human psyche is purposely produced, do you think that that is like some way that these things can defend themselves from being outed?
1: I mean possibly it would be the whole phenomenon is so odd in the fact that it traditionally if you even go back through John Keel and all that he, mm-hmm. he when he was chronicling all of the UFO reports that he would get they seemed to take place late at night and in more rural areas as if they were trying to stay hidden while being in plain sight if that makes sense yeah. Um, so obviously there's, there's there's some level of conscious deception going on so I think that's actually a pretty good idea, one that I haven't thought of before, that it might just be a natural defense against against it being recorded. And you mentioned Timothy Renner earlier, and Timothy Renner always talks about this, that the the greater phenomenon seems to have an aversion to being ph- photographed. Yeah. It's almost like audio is okay, but being taking a, an actual clear photo seems next to impossible. Yeah,
0: and video. And I. some people say, oh, well, they can see the infrared or they can see and this or it's that. it's not
1: just normal people who are unprepared. Um, when you first mentioned this topic, the thing that jumped out to me was all of the recent interviews that the um, National Institute for Discovery Science guys from Skinwalker mm-hmm. Ranch have been giving. And one of the guys, I think it was Colm Keller, uh, talked about how when... He and a few other people that either had a scientific or military intelligence background were staking out part of the ranch one night and they saw what they called the dino beaver. Yeah. And that they were all standing there. They had equipment in their hands. They were there specifically to try to document something like this. And all of them just looked at it and watched it walk away. And then afterwards, were like, why didn't we make any attempt to film it? He goes, it just didn't seem it just didn't occur to any of them at the time. It's like, again, they had stepped into a different reality
0: and it's it. it's people who are there prepared to do this prepared yeah. to record this they're they're expecting something with to high go tech on equipment that
1: could you have know? captured a pretty decent image
0: of it these so. are these are highly professional mm-hmm. people who are ready for whatever may happen especially with all the stories that came out of skinwalker ranch and all the things that people experience you'd think that you would still yourself to it you know well they like, were but that's the but thing then when it, it happens,
1: happens it happens it just happens. I mean, we've had moments with our own experiences where we've just looked at each other and go, did that just happen a few minutes ago? Yeah. I mean, we had a night when we were on an old logging road. Remember that? When we found that footprint that was just clear as day on the other side of that log. Yeah. And I looked at you and I'm like, we're probably going to run face-to-face with something here. Yeah. And we were both just like, "Ah, all right. And then afterwards, once we kind of got out of that situation and reflected upon the moment hiking back, That's when the fear kicked in.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: We ran into a footprint that was still in the process of filling with water. It was extremely fresh.
0: And it was huge. It was huge. It was huge.
1: But at the time, it was just like, ah, we're probably going to come around a corner and just run smack dab into this thing. It didn't bother us until we were hiking out a couple hours later. And then we're just like, why were we not more disturbed about that than we were at the time?
0: And I think a lot of times, you know, we'll we'll, of course we film our expeditions and everything we do. I think sometimes it comes across, even to each other, that, like, we'll see something really, really strange or experience something really off the wall, just a real incident of high strangeness. And it's almost like it's, oh, okay, you know. That's
1: happening again. Yeah, it's like, it's
0: not that it's old hat, but it seems that way in a way. But it seems like, almost like... We get home and we're like, "Oh my God, that happened, right? Yeah, that Mm -hmm. happened." And and it seems like when you're out there and it's going on, you're just like, "Oh, okay," because it's just like you're something's dulled in you, something that to where you're not just going crazy about it, and it's it's and there's no controlling it. There's no coming back and kind of going, "Oh, well, you know, this is what's happening." You are powerless to stop it.
1: And it it always kicks in for me when I'm telling the story of what happened to us to somebody else later on and then I'll just stop and go wow
0: That's that weird, sounds really right? crazy
1: <laughs> um yeah I don't know I d- it didn't seem wild at the time but now thinking back on it yeah that was that was pretty intense yeah so.
0: um there's a lot of risk factors risk factors um things that make you more prone to probably having these experiences yeah. it'd be you know, uh, an innate subjectability to <clears throat> hypnotism, that your mind is able to be opened to something mm-hmm. like that. Um, openness to the other, believing in, believing in these entities, and knowing that they could well be there.
1: So just a general belief. Just might a general belief. Strengthen them.
0: If you're okay. a, if you're like an insanely hardcore skeptic, that you just absolutely shut yourself down to anything that could possibly penetrate the veil of normalcy, then you, you're you not as, I guess, easily convinced of this happening. Or is it
1: happening and you're just convincing going, yourself it's not happening.
0: Going so, into yeah, like a super yeah. denial phase, yeah. you know. Um, and even if you have illness or a weakened constitution mentally or physically, you're open. You're open to everything at that point. Um, if you're not just right there and steady. But, you know, I mean, even people who are prepared for these kind of things, Mm -hmm. like we discussed, people at Skinwalker Ranch Ranch that that just happened to them too. And you can always attribute some of these things to like non-paranormal factors. Like, you know, are you on drugs and alcohol? Do you have undiagnosed schizophrenia? Um, Is it something you ate, something you didn't eat? Um, And and could hyper-awareness and paranoia cause you to kind of create this happening in your mind. That it's not actually the Oz factor occurring. It's just that you think it is. You become ultra paranoid that, oh, this thing means something. And you're applying meaning to every little thing and trying to...
1: Yeah, but I mean, when you get into the more kind of tangible aspects of this, like the hitchhiker effect, how it kind of seems to follow you after this. And it keeps reoccurring. I mean you're probably not staying in that state of mind 24-7 after that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like if you were, you know, if you had low blood sugar at that moment, that that's your your blood sugar is going to balance out. And then if it keeps happening after that. Um, and some of this is stuff that it's really difficult to interpret any other way. Um, there was one case, and you might remember it better than I can, but there was a guy who, uh, an earlier UFO researcher who, spoke about this that he was in the li- a library uh, researching UFO sightings in a particular area
0: oh yeah and yeah, he had yeah. a con-
1: he had an interaction with what he described as a man in black who basically was very cordial to him at first and then stood up and started screaming out in the middle of the library that he was going about this all wrong mm-hmm and leaves out and then the guy basically realizes he's alone in the library there's no librarians there's no nothing
0: yeah he gets I up and walks he, around the library and there's
1: no one there there's no
0: patrons there's nobody working there there
1: doesn't seem to be anybody outside and eventually he goes into a little room and comes out and then bam everything's, everything's back normal. to normal there's
0: people milling about yeah so i don't
1: see that as being something that could be indicative of like a minor underlying health you know, condition. Yeah. So
0: I think it's great to have healthy skepticism with anything and not say every little instance of feeling off is, Oh, Oh, so I'm having something paranormal happen to me. So this is the Oz factor kicking in. There's, you know, there's sometimes there's a, you know, a, a normal explanation for why something like this could happen. Or if you're super paranoid and like ultra aware mm-hmm. and you're totally just constantly concerned about something like this happening, then you could probably kind of create that in your mind. I think an example of something like that is like gang stalking, you know, where you start to. <laughs>
1: That's a whole separate episode right <laughs> there. A, so
0: where you start to just see that everybody, you know, going down the street, if they look at you is, you know, watching you and reporting back on you and it's a gang stalking thing. That's a whole other kettle of fish, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, but see, the you you hear this touched upon nowadays, and it's it's matter of fact, it's probably the biggest focus of the UAP um, conversation right now is these physical effects, kind of like the ass factor, mm-hmm. where you you have this sense of strangeness, um, and sometimes it lingers with you, and sometimes it's more severe than others. I mean, they're talking now about people that have been permanently injured had major health issues afterwards, maybe oh, yeah. even have died as a result of it. And I don't see that being caused by a heightened state of paranoia. No. And I that kind of rolls out misidentification of of mundane objects. I mean, you don't see your neighbor flying a drone at night and go UFO, and then all of a sudden you start to just have all of this odd stuff happen to you. You afterwards. start to have like
0: symptoms of like radiation sickness or marks or, on your body <clears throat> or something like yeah, that. Exactly, just because you, know. you misidentify something as like you end up, you Yeah. Know, and
1: up. you know, the odd factor usually means kind of a, a, almost a perceptual change afterwards, you know, where you're seeing, you know, when you're having the that heightened sense of something else there or someone else there, or you're having extremely realistic, but, highly strange dreams. Um I just don't see that following up a misidentification of no, a drone I don't either. or you saw Venus was a little, you know, extra bright that night, or you saw swamp gas or something. Um and that's what seems to kind of really kind of bring forth that some of these people are witnessing things that aren't misidentified
0: no ordinary because objects. They end so. up having a, a, a marked like physical effect mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and after effects that can be medically like yeah. you can you can do run tests and see if these mm-hmm. people have radiation sickness, so that they have injuries <clears throat> on their bodies. Um, and it's it's so it's tangible. It's not just something mental. It's not just a Yeah, it's
1: a mixture of the two. Yeah. Not, which which is could pretty much describe the UAP.
0: Oh, well, um, for sure. Um, Jean Valet talks about yeah. that, that there's like no other kind of phenomenon uh, mm-hmm. that that has such a mental effect and, and can project into your psyche at such a level. And then there's physical effects mm-hmm. as well. Um, Jean Valet talks about that. Yeah. Um, but so uh, there's a couple of ways that it seems that people open themselves up to these situations Um, sometimes it's purposefully sometimes it's through meditation or ritual magic or mind altering practices that seem to open that door
1: the guy that i've mentioned earlier that uh, could pretty much pinpoint where in the room he felt something watching him he tried i think he was like trying astral projection or something Mm -hmm. like that and then after he experimented with that that's when all this stuff started happening to him
0: yeah And um, sometimes you just don't seek the paranormal. Sometimes you don't seek that Mm -hmm. out. You're not looking for that thing out there. And you just have an experience. You have a, and this is most instances when it comes to the Oz factor or encounters in general, you have somebody who's laying in their bed at night and all of a sudden there's a bright light outside their window and they're just a normal housewife and everything has always Mm -hmm. been normal up until this point. And then they get out of bed and look out the window and there is a UAP outside their window just hovering there. And then the next thing they know, they wake up on the floor and they've lost you know seven mm-hmm. hours um, and then they just have all these effects from it. They go through all these all these issues and these problems and it's, it's not something they ever intended to encounter, but it just seems to happen at random to them. Um, and after that happens, I think maybe the door is opened if it's mm-hmm. somebody who has never really looked into the phenomenon before or was never really interested in it and then all of a sudden the phenomenon chooses them mm-hmm. that opens a door to them and then you can i we're going to go back to wizard of oz i don't think at that point you can click your heels together three times and go home no. there's no going home after that that once you know about these things what has been seen cannot be unseen once you know that they're out there and this stuff can actually happen because you experienced it, then I don't think there is any going back after that. Well, you
1: know it there's a there's a, a real strong similarity between this happening with UAP experiencers and then people who experience or witness cryptid creatures. There's the thought that certain people are marked by the encounter somehow and that uh it either makes you more open to it or that the the other, the phenomenon can recognize that you were marked and will appear to you more often. Yeah. Um, you hear that with you hear that with Sasquatch research and you hear it with dogman nowadays too, where people will have um, experiences or sightings maybe on vacation, a thousand miles from where they live at. Mm-hmm. And then they go home and then they start experiencing stuff around their house that they never had before, you know, banging, you know, all the stereotypical stuff, somebody slapping their side of their house at night, running on their rooftop, um, just certain things like that, that just seems to follow them. And if maybe that's not so outside the, the realm of possibility, if it's a UAP, if it's like an interdimensional craft or whatever, but that kind of rolls out of a big dumb monkey in the woods is yeah. following you from Wisconsin back home to Florida. Yeah. and starting to do all this stuff. So yeah, one of the the train the theories is is that somehow you're marked by the encounter and it's indelible to you, you know, it but it's blatantly obvious to these entities. Yeah. If that makes sense. So. Yeah,
0: and it, it's it's there's almost when you when you look at it from say like a UAP perspective, mm-hmm. there's almost <clears> a <throat> There's such a high technology aspect to it too, because you might have these things you know, do you know what they call the the small little things that shoot across the sky? Like the buckyballs. Have mm-hmm. you ever had them saw those yeah, or yeah. seen those before? So there's a theory out there that those could actually be small craft that have technology on board that can actually shoot a beam out and change your perception and almost project something into your brain and cause you to have these visions or see something that's not there or um, it almost like it downloads information into your brain.
1: Why does it have to be technology, though? Because, again, there's that, that old trope that any sufficiently advanced technology is going to be indistinguishable from what you would consider magic. The same, the converse is true. Yeah. Any sort of sufficiently strange supernatural stuff, we're going to interpret it as being you know, extremely high technology at this point. Yeah. Um I don't think these are like little craft with, you know, gravity drives mm-hmm. and, you know, anything like that. I think there's something that's, and it's odd to say, but there's something that's
0: magical, more about?
1: metaphysical, maybe not magical, yeah. but metaphysical. Um, I think interdimensional is the, oh, for the sure. best term to do it the more we look into this. But, um, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's just, it's just odd.
0: Well, when it comes to, like, interdimensionality, you know, it it seems like when there's experiences of the Oz Factor, it's almost like the veil between between universes and between all of this is kind of melded together. That there's an alternate reality Mm -hmm. that's going on here and here, and that maybe something really powerful, like the experience you're going through kind of melds them together in a way. And
1: you know what? I've thought that in the past, but now when you when you use the term Oz Factor, um, are those two realities kind of melded together or is the observer maybe being drug a little bit...
0: Down the line? Down
1: the line into another reality and that's what's going on. And maybe that's what's causing these lingering like effects to them that they've been exposed to an environment that's not earthly not not yeah. their reality i mean um you're in such uncharted territory here um i always i like to say that when people say alien when i hear alien i don't think of of little green men from another planet that got on a rocket ship and came here when i hear alien i think of the definition that it's incomprehensible to me, to man
0: and it's completely foreign to your understanding something
1: so outside of your scope of what's normal that it's it's incomprehensible yeah. And I think maybe that's what's happened, is that you're being taken into another dimension that's, that's close enough to ours for you to exist in for a short time, um, but you're bringing something back with you, and you're marked somehow, or you're, you're going to, just like if you were put into, th- all of a sudden, instantly thrust into a different environment, like the bottom of the ocean even if it was just for a couple of seconds when you're jerked back you're still going to be wet oh, yeah. you know you're still going to you're still going to have some some lingering physical trace to you from that so um and it's really interesting because they they talk now where some of the long-term medical um, monitoring of some of these people some of these witnesses and these experiencers uh, people have been doing it they've been monitoring them for a while yeah. and um there's certain differences in their brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. There's certain differences. Um, One person literally had a different structure to their brain. They had had some sort of, of illness where they had had brain scans before all this happened. And then they did scans subsequently after the experience, and it looked like a completely different person's. Brain on the
0: you know, and we're getting monitor. we're getting more information from basically all the disclosure and then the skinwalkers at the Pentagon type stuff about yeah. the long-term monitoring of these uh, people and what's yeah. going on in their brains, what's going on with their physiology and everything. Um, you mentioned earlier about once you experience this, you almost become kind of a magnet for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminded me of sometimes we will talk about that we'll go on expeditions, and it seems like. The more that I do this, and the more I get involved in this, and the deeper I go down this rabbit hole, um, it seems that I'm starting to become a magnet myself. Um, Yeah, I'd agree
1: with that. I mean, I can go out solo without you to an area that we've experienced recurring activity, and I don't ever have anything happen. I just walk through the woods, and and nothing happens at all. Um, And then we go together... And it doesn't happen all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were out this past weekend. Yeah,
0: nothing happened. And nothing
1: happened. I mean, literally nothing happened at all. um, Except for fighting insects and and having cicadas drive us crazy. But uh, it's, yeah, I would agree with that. Um,
0: Now, do you think it's because of i I and i I and I see it too, I see it I mm-hmm. mean I don't know the difference because I don't know what
1: mm-hmm. what you
0: experience when you're out without me, of course um nothing no, so, nothing, yeah, nothing. um but I just it seems like things keep getting I had a very intense experience um you know, when we first started doing this, when we first started going out into the woods when we first started Researching out in the woods, really, really actively. Talk about Panther Town. Talk about Panther Town. Okay, so. um, I had a very intense experience, yeah. and then since then, things just seem like they've ramped up on it mm-hmm. um, with me mentally and everything, and this weird connection. Um, and I feel like I don't, I don't know. Is it was a, did that door open up a little wider for me? I've always believed in these things. I've always. Um, you know I've experienced I've experienced paranormal encounters before. Mm-hmm. I've seen entities. I've communicated with entities before. but it seems like after that encounter, everything
1: ramped everything got turned up to eleven. everything
0: after that. got really, wow. really intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just encountering um what I would describe as like ghosts or Um, specters of any kind, it started to be more physical. Um, I I started to experience more encounters with physical things. And I don't want to say cryptids. I don't want to say, um, you know, I don't want to say extraterrestrials. I don't want to say anything definitive like that. But it seems like we started to experience more physical phenomenon Mm -hmm. just after that really, really intense experience.
1: Yes, I would agree with you on that. And it um it seemed that whatever happened when we were trying to backtrack out and cross that stream or that we later found that kit was found dead
0: yeah yeah um,
1: and you had that episode or whatever um and i guess we should say that we we have never released a video on this we weren't really filming at that point we were the the exploration into the looking into all of this stuff was was pretty much a private thing at that point we weren't really thinking about putting up a youtube channel or anything um but after that is what kind of
0: spurred us to sp- start filming we, we
1: got really obsessive after it um but we were <clears throat> there's an area called Panthertown town valley in, in north carolina and you're gonna hear that as a running thread through not every video we do, but we mention it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, we, we have a running joke about the helmet Holler bingo card that Panther Town has mentioned almost yeah. every other video. So,
1: But we went up there, um, we'd actually heard a gentleman on a podcast talking about an encounter he had up there with a shape-changing witch. Yes. And I'm sure for those of you who listen to a lot of podcasts, you'll know exactly which podcast and which episode, but... um. The story kind of struck us. It just, it seemed so fantastic that we decided to just drive up. And the whole thing was crazy from the time we got there till the time we basically... Sped out. Sped. I was going to say hauled ass out. Yeah, um, but we... We... we, It was... Spun
0: tires getting out of there when it happened. Crazy.
1: The whole thing was crazy, but... And I, I, do you want to? I'm not, how deep do you want to go into this? About uh, I
0: can I can kind of tell the story. Yeah. Um, you know, we we went to Panther Town Valley. We went to this area where you know there was a, supposed to be a legend of a shape shifting witch, and we kind of just went to go check it out. And it was summer. It was really really hot, mm-hmm. and we wanted to go on a hike out there. So we find the trail, go out there. Um, we uh, we attempted to. We went down the wrong road at first. And we ended up at this, um, it's sort of like a camp for wayward youth. That wasn't
1: a camp. That was like a freaking prison for wayward youth, yes man, it's, so.
0: it was like a prison out in the middle of the woods for wayward youth uh, bar- um, tall
1: barbed wire gates brick buildings with no yeah. windows and as so. soon
0: as we got onto that property there's nowhere to turn around so we had to drive onto the property um <clears throat> somebody comes out and just starts yelling at us that we're what not allowed to be here? there mm-hmm. um and then you know we're like we're so sorry we're looking for this and they're like you need to turn around and go up and told, told us which road to go to so we went mm-hmm. up there And I'm gonna give kind of the short version of it here. I I talk about the really long version on the don't. I think the don't turn around podcast Mm -hmm. is when I kind of talk about this for the first time. Um, And um, so we go up to the trail park. uh, As soon as we got out of the car, it was it was really weird up there. We already had a, a very very weird vibe. There's nobody up there. There's nobody else parked there. It was just us. So, um, And there's nowhere else to park other than where we parked. So we get our gear, we start to hike in, and immediately we start having some weird stuff. And when Um, we say
1: hike, this is not a a maintained hiking trail.
0: No, it's not a leisurely stroll at all. We're
1: basically cutting through the woods to go find this waterfall that this guy talked
0: about. So it's not
1: like we're you know down at a, a trailhead and we're following the you know the trail markers through the woods we're just hiking through the woods
0: and yeah. we had our gpss running and we just kept having we had two gpss running and mm-hmm. they were mal- malfunctioning left and right both so. of them were and it was It would take us down one direction and then all of a sudden flip us around Reroute to us another back, so yeah. it was insane and like we have never had something like that happen before so we hike along keep going um like i said this is the short version um, there's this wide rushing creek we cross over it there's stones to cross over it no bridge or anything like that we just have to hop from stone to stone to stone and get over the creek we get on the other side um, get up to a waterfall take some pictures um, start hearing stuff start hearing some weird stuff and oh, we always do this it was a new moon of course so mm-hmm. it was gonna get dark and be super dark um so we start hearing stuff. It's really really strange. It was almost like um the sticks on the side of the trail were broken off and sharpened in a way. Mm-hmm. That was so weird to me yeah. because I, we were trying to climb up this super steep hill and I was like if we fall backwards there's yeah. it's like it's like punji sticks everywhere, you know. It was like a booby trap almost. Um so did, it wasn't
1: a clean cut like you would have seen with a machete, mm-mm. but it wasn't a break. Um I still stand by that. It looked like somebody took a stone tool and sharpened one of these things here, you know, man. Yeah, it was. It looked crudely sharpened.
0: Crudely sharpened, yeah. and it didn't look like somebody took a knife and <clears throat> sheared yeah. it off at all. No, um, and there were lots of them. Lots right. of them like that, pointing at the trail. So if we did fall, we, mm-hmm. we would probably be impaled at some point in time. Um, it started to get really late. We made it up to the waterfall, um, took pictures, hung out for a minute, and we we're like, we got to head back. So we start heading back, and. Um, we go to cross over that creek I mentioned before. It was a very wide, rushing creek. We go to head back over that. Joe goes across it, and then I'm following behind. And I- She
1: gets up because you were out during this. so She gets smacked dab in the middle of the creek and just stops. Now, the, when we say creek, we're not talking like two or three inches of water. It was pretty, pretty deep, and it was pretty fast moving. She wasn't going to drown in it if she fell, but we're crossing on really sizable rocks that are just slick as all get out. And she stops, and I'm going, "What are you doing? You know, just get off the rocks, get out of the water, get on this side." And she is just wobbling. Her eyes are glazed. Um, now it's hot, but at that point we we hiked all the time. Yeah. We'd been hydrated. You know, we, we ate lunch. We honey. have liquid IVs that we're drinking to maintain that we're on this. And and generally, you can tell when heat exhaustion's starting to kick in. Um, you don't go from like zero to 60 like that, Yeah. but she's just on this rock just, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, you know, just thinking she's decided to, she sees something. She's a bad magpie. So a lot of times she'll just be like, oh, there's a shiny rock and runs over. So I'm thinking she's noticed something and she's just decided to stand there to soak it in. Um, no, she's out. She's out on her feet. She's glazed. Uh, I'm like yelling at her and she goes, you know, I don't feel good. But even her voice was just kind of slurred and everything. Um, so I, you know, I drop my pack. I'd run back out in the water, grab her, and then just carry her over. And here's the thing that's interesting to me is that when you you look at all of the, the phenomena that we're experiencing nowadays, UAPs, cryptids, everything like that, a lot of times there's a direct parallel to what... Our ancestors were experiencing yeah. and a common thread in a lot of this stuff is that these entities can't follow you get across moving water mm-hmm. and as soon as I got her to the other bank and got her down she's just like what the hell are you doing get your hands up what's going on you know
0: but I got really nauseous yeah. like I was yeah. super nauseous um, and it, it's almost like something didn't want me to cross that creek oh, something no, was no. like trying to keep me it, on the other side of that creek, or in the creek, I don't know. Even but now, we're not doing the story justice. It no, was we're long not. Went on, on with it, but it's, just a thumbnail
1: kind yeah, of. Yeah, this is it.
0: kind of a yeah. Well, I, I gave actually a good account on it on the Don't Turn and Around like podcast. Right I'm nervous. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of doing this because it was really scary. Um, and I was super nauseous. I I like threw up a little bit. It was it was really bad. Joe got me away from the creek. The further I got away from the creek, the better I felt. But That was my first, like, really, really huge experience with what I would call the Oz factor, right? Everything just
1: got really weird for you, and you didn't realize what was going on. I was gone. Like, I was completely
0: mentally just gone at that point. I think that was probably my biggest um, experience with something that you would call the Oz factor. Just
1: a quick aside right now, too. Um, So, we mentioned the, the, the Fortress for Wayward Youth that we had ran across... And so when we got out of there, because we had a lot of other strange stuff happen to us, uh, up to and including probably the scariest thing that's ever happened for me personally while we've ever been out doing it. That was like the last thing that happened before we got in the car. But we got back. We started looking into this area. And at that exact spot, as best we can tell, um, there was a kid who escaped from this wayward youth school. The
0: facility. And
1: they found him... Um, a couple weeks after he escaped, dead in that exact spot on that creek. Yeah. Now, he was in the creek, and they originally said, well, he must have, have just gotten exhausted and fallen in this creek and drowned. Again, the creek was, it wasn't like an inch deep, but it it wasn't deep enough for a healthy
0: teenage, teenage boy to
1: drown in. Um, he'd
0: only been dead for a couple of days when they found But he'd been missing for a few him. weeks. Yeah. And
1: then they found out that... He, his pelvis was broken. His mm-hmm. legs were broken. He had several large, major bro, broken bones. And they said it looked as if he had fallen from a great height. And then they there was some conflicting information whether he had died from exposure or he had died uh, from the trauma of these broken bones. And there was a the, – the theory that we saw mentioned in one of the papers was that he had climbed a tree – to try to figure out which way to go because he was lost, fell out of the tree, broke everything and died there. But you remember, there were no trees to fall out of right there. Not really. I mean, Nothing that you could yeah. like
0: climb up in any kind of
1: way. So, um, so it's, as best we can tell that's the exact same spot that this happened. Yeah. Um, the place is just weird. And what's crazy is, is that that was like our first really weird outing and we do this pretty much is like a second full-time job now we've never gone back there we've never been we've back We've never been back no we've never and it's not that far from us so we
0: are planning on going back um mm, i think that's something that i think that's something that i'd like to face personally i'd like to go back and confront whatever that was um in the best way i know possible yeah. and actually take you guys along with us so um, uh, maybe. the return to panther town <laughs> yeah. is coming eventually um
1: and what's crazy is, is this goes in with the Oz factor, too, I guess, um, especially that last event that happened to us. If you just tell somebody what it is, they just go, so what? That doesn't sound so bad at all. Right. Remember how just just terrifying it was and how it's still something that I at least probably think about almost weekly still. Yeah. Um, And it was just, it was such a... Sur- horrifyingly surreal is the best word that I can term that I can come up with. I
0: think that was a absolute turning point of my life. I yeah, mean, yeah. it there was there was a time before that, and then the time after, after that. that. So um, that was a turning point in my life. That's when I decided to pursue. That's when we decided to pursue doing this mm-hmm. because something that intense and insane, and it had such a, a physical effect on me, mm-hmm. um, that just changed the course of everything. I think yeah. that changed the course of. Of hellbent holler events at that point. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, yeah, and and I and I'm not the only one. This is this is happening to people all the time. Mm-hmm. People will tell you that once they have their encounters, and then they have this mental just shock wave that there there is no coming back from it. Like I said, you're not going to click your heels together three times and go back to Kansas. It's there is no coming back sometimes, um, and it has lasting effects. So. Um, I absolutely believe that the odds factor is real. I think mm-hmm. it's something that absolutely does uh, accompany these encounters. And if it's something that is something controllable by these entities, it's like if, if these entities have the ability to flip the switch on and mm-hmm. off in our psyche. Um, what are the ramifications of that? What does that mean?
1: Or is it the is it a flip? Uh, sorry, a switch that's being flipped in your psyche. Or are you experiencing a a tangible physical change in your environment or a a change in your brain chemistry or your, you know, is it it affecting you, affecting like your health? Is it just, is it having a tangible effect on you or is it just all psychic or is it? some form of, of unknown radiation. I mean, yeah. at this point, you're just venturing out and just these wild guesses. And so. a
0: lot of people will attribute this this effect and this change and what you're experiencing to maybe not a psychic projection or um, anything like that. Where they'll attribute it to infrasound.
1: You want to get into infrasound? Let's
0: so, get into infrasound. Because, because a lot of people, and a lot of people, you know, speculate that mm-hmm. that is what causes you to have these physical effects.
1: Especially with, with the physical, biological cryptids. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and for those of you watching the video, you're going to see me refer to my notes a lot on this because this is a subject that I kind of nerd out about. Um, and to keep this under four hours long, <laughs> um, I kind of tried to get, get this summarized as best as possible because again one of the things we look at is is that the the Oz factor seems to be a feeling of you're 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 almost somewhere else while this is going on. Now people who claim to be zapped or suffer the effects of infrasound and all that you don't quite seem to have that that that
0: transportation,
1: yeah, that disassociation from what's going on, it just seems to be more of like a physical effect. Although they do sometimes talk about confusion, they talk about, um, they talk about a whole wide range of like symptoms and and effects that people will just kind of lump into, oh, it's infrasound. Um, now I'm going to preface this by saying that that I'm not a big believer in infrasound at all. I think that.
0: Not that you're not a believer in infrasound at all—that it's a I, thing. Not, He's I, not I, a I believe believer. Infrasound. I, I
1: don't <laughs> believe infrasound is this is is responsible for everything that is attributed to it. I think that uh, someone who was trying to put the fantastic into normal, mundane terms latched on to a phenomenon that they had heard about and they thought could maybe explain it and then it just kind of took off
0: at yeah that point. yeah um, <clears throat> so i think it's really important that we separate speculation yeah. from the actual science of mm-hmm. what is infrasound uh-huh. um where where are its origins well because
1: and the reason why we're doing this is because i think that the
0: effects that
1: first it was pretty much confined to just sasquatch encounters and people who had had experiences with sasquatch but it's it's that's carried over into the dogman phenomenon as well, and I think it's been going on all along with the dogman phenomenon. Um, I still stand by the fact that I think that that dogman has taken off in popularity, especially online, um, and it's certainly raised awareness of it. But I think that the sightings and the experiences have been going on for a long time, into a far greater degree than what people would commonly think. Um, I think a lot of the uh, kind of vague Class A Sasquatch sightings. I saw something big and hairy come out of the woods.
0: Could easily be, a be a dog d- actually a dog man. But
1: what, who are you gonna report it to 20 years ago, 10 years ago? Yeah. Um, it just dog man wasn't in the, the lexicon of the, even the people who believe in this sort of stuff up until fairly recently. But anyway, I I, I think that the physical effects and the after effects from these from these cryptid encounters have more in common with people who are UFO experiencers. And I don't think that it's just a low frequency sound wave that's hitting somebody, and it's all of a sudden causing all of these effects. I think that at the end of the day, um, you're, we're gonna find out if we ever find anything out at all, that there's not that much difference in <laughs> having a Bigfoot or a Dogman encounter and having an experience with a UAP or a UFO. I just don't think there's that much. There's, I've got a feeling there's gonna be a lot more similarities than differences when I everything There's just so many similar.
0: commonalities right now. I mean, you mm-hmm. and I, we discussed yeah. UAP phenomenon and the Dogman mm-hmm. phenomenon together. We had an episode on that. Um, you know, you'll see, people will claim to see UAPs and then claim mm-hmm. to see Bigfoot. And so there's just so much crossover. So I think, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. But even right. when
1: those, those sightings or those experiences happen separately, you have a, a Bigfoot or a Dogman encounter without a UAP or vice versa, UAP with no other associate like cryptid sighting. Um, I just, the, the effects, the physical effects I think are more similar than a lot of people possibly commonly understand and I think that the cause of those effects is a lot more similar than what people think. Um, when you Get down to it. All right. So let's back up a little bit. Infrasound is everybody hears that term, but but what is it? So infrasound is basically just sound waves that are under 20 hertz. It's right below the range of common human hearing. Okay. Um, it's it's a sound wave. It's a mechanical wave. It needs a medium to transmit through. It can't transmit in a vacuum like an electromagnetic wave. Um, mechanical wave as a sound wave it's a it's you mentioned earlier that rock that's thrown into a lake and then the ripples that go out Um, it's it needs something to travel through so a sound wave just like you're hearing my voice and Jesse's voice right now um, and it's somewhere within the range of human hearing again infrasound it's right below it it's from 20 Hertz on down to next to no Hertz basically Um, and I one of the things that we deal with sometimes is is that the more we've done this the less we see a possibility that these things are just a natural monkey running around in the woods or a natural canine that's somehow evolved in an odd way um and i think that when people kind of trot out infrasound to kind of explain some of this strangeness away they're doing it in hopes of just kind of grasping onto that straw that this is just a normal creature that presents itself in a way that you can interpret as abnormal if that makes sense
0: like sweeping it under the science rug <laughs> exactly
1: so desperate for like scientific um validation.
0: validation yeah
1: that that you you grab onto this but at the end of the day you're 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 doing a disservice to the people who had these encounters um so anyways, infrasound, it's a sound wave under 20 hertz, okay? Um, we really didn't even know what sound infrasound was back before, like 1957. Um, there was a French scientist, Vladimir, and I've got to look his last name up, Gavreau. Um, Now, he and his research team were working in this concrete building, okay? Okay. And they start getting strange feelings of anxiety and mild nausea, and... Um, around the same time, all together. Now, they're, they're in a concrete building where there's different, uh, different types of scientific research going on, so they originally think that there's some sort of chemical leak in the building, or there's some sort of chemicals being used that are making them sick. So obviously, they're a little worried about that. They wanna find, they wanna find the cause of it. So they, they look around, they can't determine any cause for what they're feeling. Until one day they figure out that there's a motor okay in their their workspace that every time it cuts on it it corresponds with the feelings that they're having so they're going well how is this motor causing us to feel that way um it was a really low speed motor and I don't know what it was used for but so they're looking at it going well how how can a motor possibly cause this so they try to test the motor they try to test the amplitude and the pitch of this motor and they realize they they can't really hear anything out of it so that's when it kind of dawns on everybody that there might be sound that's below what a a, a human being can hear.
0: So, are they aware of ultrasound at this point? That the high frequency? Were, yeah, people
1: were aware of that, but they just ultra, infrasound for some reason it just never dawned on anybody. So they uh, they finally develop the methods of testing this, and they find out that this motor is generating like um, a wave that's around seven hertz, so well within the infrasound range. Yeah. And because of the acoustics of the, the, the ductwork that was in the room and the, the fact that they're in these concrete walls and all that, the wave is being amplified until it's giving them all this like creepy feeling. Okay, So that's where basically we've discovered infrasound for lack of a better term. And then we started realizing that it exists in nature, um, volcanoes, earthquakes. Uh, powerful thunderstorms. The ocean gives off infrasound. Um, the shifting of the tectonic plates can give off infrasound. Animals use it. And that's where you get that tie-in with Bigfoot a lot of times because that's everybody's kind of, you know, that's everybody's connection they like to make. Well, yeah. you know, whales yeah. make it, elephants make it.
0: Tigers.
1: Tigers, everything like that. So, um, and it's it's odd because you you start to kind of, we, we realize it's there, but there's not a lot of experimentation or not a lot of study that goes on for it, so.
0: But like what it can do to you, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, if it can do anything at all.
1: Yeah, it's, it's. there's more study nowadays for it because one of the, there's man-made things that give off infrasound as well, and one uh-huh. of those uh, is turbines and windmills. So okay. it's like wind power has become more prevalent, you have windmills in closer proximity to areas where humans habitate, and uh, that infrasound can, people claim, sometimes have adverse effects on them. Okay. So there's more study going on right now as far as that goes. Now that's generally, um, that's kind of what I would call mid-range infrasound. It's not as extreme and it's not as weak, but it's, it exists.
0: Are there reports of people getting um, sick or nauseous or having any kind of like physical effects from living in areas near these wind turbines?
1: Yes, and I'll get to that, but it hasn't been proven, and it's been studied pretty extensively. And that's part of the reason why they have studied it to the degree that they have. Generally, you might buy a house and not want giant wind turbines 30 feet from it.
0: A lot of dead eagles on the ground. And you might
1: go, oh, it's making my kids sick, you know. So there's been a lot of, and now you have to keep, that has something you have to take into account is that you know, a lot of times you can sway a report the way ever you want it to That's do it. True. But That's there has true. been some what seemed to be some pretty um, neutral observations of infrasound and what it looks okay. into. So how does it get tied into like Sasquatch and like the paranormal in general is, well, it gets tied into the paranormal first. 1998, there's a guy named Vic Tandy, and he's an engineer, and he's a lecturer in a uh, British college Um, I know when I say engineer, I don't know what sort of engineer he was that you don't really see much. Uh, I think he was just a general, maybe electrical engineer, but he was actually uh, lecturing with like legal terms. So it wasn't like he was really immersed in science at that point, Um, but he did do scientific research, a lot of computer engineering and everything like that for the college. So he had a little workspace that he would work into. Now. He was already a member of the Society for Psychical Research over there. So he was already kind of predisposed towards believing in the weird. Okay. So when he's working in his little workspace here at the college at night, he'll sometimes catch a gray blob out of the corner of his eye. So he's thinking, I mean, he's in the society, he's thinking the place is haunted. He keeps having feelings of just vague dread and anxiety and all of that. So he starts thinking that the place has a ghost in it. So, this guy's a fencer. So, as the story goes, one night he has his fencing foil in kind of a clamp, almost like a vice, by the handle. The blade's extended out, and he's polishing the blade. So, everybody knows what a fencing foil looks like. It's this Mm -hmm. long, narrow piece of metal. He realized the blade was vibrating, and there was no apparent source as to why this should vibrate. So, he finds out that there's like a nearby fan that's keeping some piece of equipment cool and that fans given off infrasound it's given off about 18 Hertz Mm -hmm. and that 18 Hertz is making the blade resonate supposedly okay so this guy goes on and he writes a paper that he submits to that Society for Psychical Research and it's called the Ghost in the Machine and he conjectured that's the key word he not even really hypothesized, he conjectured that that 18 hertz was making his eyeballs resonate and that resonation was causing him to hallucinate that gray blob. Okay, and that's that's where he was getting this vague sensation and that's where it really came off that sometimes there might be man-made occurring infrasound in a house and that's what causes people to have the feelings of being watched the feelings that it's not right, but now also might cause you to hallucinate and see figures in the hallway. So figures. that's where
0: that kind of originated. That's What's where from it this, originated this conjecture.
1: He didn't test it. He just it was a conjecture on his part that okay. he put in this paper. And that paper became important, and a lot of people kind of latched onto it because a lot of skeptics, they obviously want to dis it's hard to disprove some of this stuff, but now all of a sudden they've got they've got something they can disprove of it. Oh, yeah. you're just suffering from ultrasound. Well, I saw a guy in 18th century guard, walk down my hallway. No, no, it's ultrasound. You've got somewhere infrasound? in here. I'm sorry, yeah, infrasound. You've got somewhere in here giving off infrasound, and it's causing causing your eyeballs to resonate. And That's you're so crazy.
0: That's it's it's just that another instance of of you 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 are your right. own reference, I guess, in a way, because you have so many people that'll. You, I mean, how many times have you seen it where you'll you'll read somebody, you know they'll talk about somebody else's experience and say, "Oh, you're mm-hmm. experiencing infrasound. This is why." And it's you're you're referencing say I guess that's that's where it all started. That's where it
1: all started. Out, so it goes from the machine. Somebody re- so.
0: referred to that and then somebody referred to that person and then somebody referred to that person and then they fact-checked it I guess back with the beginning in a way and so you're just proving your own thing with your own thing. Yeah,
1: and- but this guy eventually the Vic Candy a 5 years later he's involved in another a Much larger study, and then just basically goes, Oh, yeah, that whole eyeball resonation thing that's not possible. Um, it's just this is what infrasound does, you know. But nobody ever really keys in on that because that doesn't allow you to attempt to disprove something, you know. Or that on the flip side, if you're somebody who's trying to explain this stuff away with natural causes, yeah, it's just a monkey. It's just a dog that, that evolved to walk on your hind legs. It's infrasound that's causing this stuff. It's completely natural and normal. Well, it's not, okay? So, like, five years later, um, it's Vic Tandy. It's a couple of acoustical sciences, and it's a couple of psychologists. They go to this place called the Purcell Room in London, and it's a concert hall. So it's built to be as acoustically accommodating as possible. So it's built to have live music performed and everybody in there to be able to hear it. So it's built with acoustics in mind. So they have 750 people come to this concert and there's like a wide range of music from modern at the time onto classics. And what they do is, is they decide to pump massive amounts of infrasound at different frequencies, you know, five hertz, 10 hertz, 15 hertz, um, at different power ranges throughout the music without telling anybody. Now, they did, and I'm not sure how they, they, they did this without somebody raising their eyebrows, but they gave the attendees little pads and pieces of paper like, and pens to say, hey, if you feel anything odd during this, you know, yeah. make a note of it. So what happened is out of the 750 people, 22% of them it reported experiencing sadness, anxiety, um, emotional Effects mm-hmm. at the exact same time that this infrasound was being,
0: but w- did anybody have any like physical effects none as a result all, of, of it? None at all. Okay, and they
1: were far and the. That's a pretty
0: big sample size of people, and
1: <laughs> it was being pumped in in greater variety and greater power than what he experienced when he was writing that paper, "The Ghost in the Machine." So, so and not even not every single person. Twenty-two percent is it's sizable, but not even a majority of them felt it. Right. You know? So, and it
0: was just. Kind of minor psychological effects. Nothing physical. I'm
1: more emotional than anything else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so and what's crazy is, is that they would, feel, they would feel anxiety. Some people reported chills. But even then, that was just more not like a physical sensation of being cold. It was just more like basically being creeped out. You know? Okay. So, um, so, you've got those two studies. and Well, one's not a study. One's him. Putting forth a conjecture and then him testing it, and going, okay, infrasound is having an effect, Mm -hmm. but it's it's not making your eyeballs resonate and it's not causing hallucinations. So, um, so then you fast forward over to America, you know, in two thousand six, they start doing these studies on these windmills, and they're looking at people who work around windmills and live around windmills who are exposed to infrasound almost daily, and they come up with the same thing. They go, these people are experiencing irritability, fatigue, maybe some minor headaches um, that they just stress. Uh, Sometimes they just, and I guess maybe the feelings of irritability and all that could translate over into that feeling of being watched possibly, you know, maybe they're the same thing. Um, Now, you do have to be fair and you have to to realize that one of the things they came away with during the study is is that the symptoms that did occur seem to increase more rapidly with higher sound pressure of infrasound. Okay? Okay. Then it happened, and that's a little difficult to kind of explain, but uh, if you're hearing a high-pitched noise and I ramp the volume up, well, obviously it's gonna hurt Mm -hmm. more the higher the volume goes. Well, uh, infrasound, it's like a much greater factor. Whatever you're experiencing, if maybe you're just experiencing a little bit of irritability and then I start cranking it up or well, your symptoms are going to like outpace the increase in volume. So it's exponential. So exponential okay. with ultrasound. Okay. So, um, and as far as I know, they've never kind of figured out why on that. But, um, and there, there was another thing that came out that was kind of interesting is that some scientists hypothesized that there could be something called vibroacoustic disease. That they think that if you were exposed to hypothetically because they haven't been able to, to replicate it yet but that if you were exposed to extremely powerful infrasound um that you could have symptoms similar to what an epileptic might you know experience um chronic heart disease everything like that and they they talk about that being a possibility and then it doesn't really go anywhere
0: you okay. know what
1: I'm so because with the levels that they're able to generate up, they just don't see it happening. But they think it could be a possibility with really high levels. Okay, so they, uh, so they do that. So that's a that's a pretty you know you've got an organization looking at it, several different scientists with different disciplines. Um, but then you take it even further and you look at what the U.S. government looked at on it, and that's another thing where a lot of like like false. Information kind of comes from. Um, you always hear about like sonic weapons and everything like that, and but that's usually really high frequencies that cause pain. Yeah, you know. Um, right after 9/11, they actually the Pentagon looked into trying to develop a weapon based on infrasound because they'd heard all the same stories. You know, oh, it'll make you faint, it'll make you uncontrollably nauseous. Um, so they they get with some. They get with the guy who's like the top uh, sonic weapon expert in the country. And I got to look at It's Jürgen Altman. And he basically is quoted as saying, a lot has been written about the effects of infrasound from supposed tests, and a lot of that is flatly wrong. And he basically tells them that infrasound, he's never been able to find any evidence of it causing nausea, vomiting, or loss of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a lot of these Bigfoot encounters where people claim they were hit with it, that's what people claim happened. I mean, Tom Powell, a Bigfoot researcher says that he got hit with something, he got really dizzy, and then he basically just lost consciousness and woke up three hours later. Um, but the guy whose job and with a great deal of education, he's looking into this, he's saying that he can't find anything like that. Now, he, he makes another comment, too, that not only is there no evidence of it happening, but due to the nature of the low frequency waves with infrasound, it's difficult to direct. He goes. You really couldn't do a direct weapon
0: with. So it, it spreads out.
1: Exactly. Okay. So how does that? How does that? When you have these people in a group, four, five, six, whatever, and somebody goes, Bill was zapped last night, but the rest of us were fine. Um, if it's infrasound, like you're claiming, if your monkey is generating infrasound, how is your monkey directing it when that's supposedly physically impossible?
0: Yeah. It's
1: not a natural monkey anymore, is it? No, so, definitely
0: not. It's not a, a a ape that runs around bending the laws of physics and well, science. Well,
1: you know what? There might be, but it's not a it's not a natural
0: no, it's natural not a, monkey then, no. is it?
1: So when your monkey, when your natural monkey can do supernatural things, your monkey's not natural anymore.
0: Take so, that, apers. Take that.
1: Um, <laughs> and the other thing. So you've got that ghost in the machine, and then the other thing that people latch onto is that there was a, a test that NASA did. Mm-hmm. And everything that we're saying here, if you want to take the time, uh, you can find all of this referenced online. I mean, we're not going to include links to this in the show notes unless you really want to. That's a lot of typing. But NASA wanted to see what, because the, the rocket engines really put out a lot of low-frequency waves and low-frequency sounds, they wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to have a negative effect on the astronauts when they were in rocket launches. So they do a, a lot of testing I mean, it's NASA, and they're, you know, it's rocket scientists. Rocket scientists doing rocket scientist stuff. They're doing a lot of testing. And they came up with the same thing that everybody else has come up with, that, you know, that air, air, it's a really inefficient medium for these low-frequency waves to transmit through from the transducer, whatever's giving them off, mm-hmm. to a human body. Yeah. Um. Now, they did find that... When the astronauts were strapped into their chairs and they had a physical medium for these vibrations to go through, um, they had all sorts of stuff.
0: Okay, so you've got a physical medium that these can kind of transfer through and travel through. Um, what about if you're in an area that has like a high concentration of granite? Oh, that's a good point. Um, yeah. So you have like really a physical really
1: medium for decantrate. really solid
0: right. physical medium. And what for do we always find?
1: Through? And what do we always hear about?
0: Um granite, granite fields. Yeah, um, granite. So especially in all right, everybody get ready to take your shot. Uh in missing four one one, David yeah. Pilates. Um, that's one of the things is is in these granite fields, people experience these psychological changes and people go well, missing all the time in there. Well the,
1: the psychological changes that NASA witnessed the test subjects experience. Um was like a loss of coordination. Their speech would slur. They would have difficulty, not only difficulty concentrating, they would just basically blank out on their feet. Extreme nausea, okay? The type that's referred to in a lot of these Bigfoot things where I just start throwing up uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. The the key thing in this, and I've never found a a, a a full description of what they're talking about, but they talk about visual disturbances, That the astronauts, when they were subject to these vibrations, through their chairs, they would have visual disturbances. I take that as hallucinations. A visual disturbance is they're not saying that they were having visual issues. Like they were having they were going blind. Yeah,
0: what is a yeah, I was about to say, what is a? what is a visual disturbance? Exactly. Is that a a blurring of vision or are I you don't think so. seeing George Washington in visual a rowboat? Dis, you know? Visual
1: disturbance is kind of an odd way. It seems like they would say blurring of vision or yeah, okay. blurry vision. Um but visual disturbances, to me that means that maybe they were actually had. that's maybe when the eyeballs were resonating like that guy was talking about. And you're Um, having
0: disturbing visuals at that point. Yeah.
1: And they would have difficulty in communicating. They would, even if, even if physically they were okay, they couldn't, they couldn't form a coherent thought to communicate at all. Um, And to me, that sounds a lot more like the zapping that you hear about with Sasquatch encounters Mm -hmm. and even, even dogmen, possibly Dogman stuff now. Um, Mm -hmm. And what's funny about all this is is that people always kind of cling to this going, well, NASA proved that infrasound. No, NASA didn't prove that. NASA proved that infrasound can't do these things, but contact with a physical medium that's transmitting these vibrations can. And you can even find old message boards. Like, such a thing exists. These acoustic message boards with acoustic professionals that are on there. And there's guys on there. There's a
0: forum for Everything. Everything.
1: There's guys on there that you can find old posts from them that took place during these experiments because people will come on there going, "Tell me about the brown note," or "Tell me about this," and people will be it's like, "It's always
0: about the brown." It's always note. about the brown
1: note, um, and they will go, "Hey, I took place in this," and then they'll kind of take them through exactly what I just told you. Um, and on that subject of the brown note, I mean, even MythBusters, like back in around the 2005, around the same time. I remember time. that episode. Yeah, yeah. They took like a speaker bank and pumped so much. I mean, those guys were not known for subtlety, you know? Yeah. And I mean, they they did something like 155 decibels, like at nine hertz, so a pretty powerful amount of infrasound. And the people basically said that they had, they felt a little anxious, which could have been caused from having to stand in front of a giant speaker bank, you yeah. know? And that they felt a little short of breath and people were going, well, these things were causing such a disturbance in the air that might have literally had an effect on your lungs. Yeah. So
0: But there was no evacuation of the bowels. There
1: was no there was no brown <laughs> note to be found. They couldn't, they couldn't, even with all that power on infrasound, um, they couldn't they couldn't replicate anything physical. Like these people are claiming to have happen. Um, the other weird thing that you always hear trotted out is people go. And I got to refer to my notes because I want to get this quote verbatim. Um, the tigers use it to stun their prey, so therefore Bigfoot has uses this to knock people senseless. Um, all of that comes from there's a place that's just north of us, I guess. the The Carnivore Preservation Trust in North that's Carolina awesome. sounds awesome, and they had bioacousticians up there, people that study bioacoustics, and they studying the tigers they found out that the tigers were able to generate infrasound that in their roars they would hit notes down to 18 hertz so just right below that threshold that 20 hertz threshold um so where you get this tiger thing at is is back in 2000 uh there was an article that came out and the lady i got to refer to her name elizabeth ben Muggenthaler. Um, she was a bioacoustician and she said although untested we suspect that this is caused by low frequencies and this was in reference to the fear that's generated by a lion's roar.
0: Well wouldn't I, I think that the fear of a lion or a tiger being there would probably generate, account
1: for that fear. Generate you know? a lot so of
0: fear. I don't um, think you
1: need to grasp at low frequency sound waves when the tiger's right yeah. in front of you for you to roar. I don't
0: think, I don't, yeah, yeah. But I think she said the although tiger un- itself is scary enough. So right?
1: again this was conjecture although untested we suspect that this is caused by low frequencies. This feeling of like paralyzing fear, Um, so people just latched onto that, and now it's almost like it's almost like common common knowledge. Tigers can you know can can freeze you with their infrasound. Well, elephants use elephants, a larger creature with a more power behind it to vocalize the the infrasound that elephants use travel hundreds of miles. You don't hear about villages or villagers who live in proximity to elephants all being frozen solid in place by their infrasound. Yeah. This was something that they just kind of set off the cuff and it became gospel, like you said. hmm So um, now whenever you hear infrasound discussed, it's about how they use it to communicate, not hunt.
0: So that's changed. So the scientific community is now kind of shifting how they're looking at, and biologists are kind of shifting how they're looking at infrasound when it comes to actual known animals um, from a suspicion that they use it to now they're kind of testing and now it's it seems that they use it as a form of communication rather than a like a, a hunting well they know
1: they use tool. it as a form of communication but it's just like after that little comment although untested it's never really been mentioned again now you see it referred to yeah in recent articles but it all goes back to that one comment and you can't ever find anything where someone did a clinical test going Here's the tiger. Here's its roar. Here's the infrasound we tested. Here's a subject. Could you move? No, I couldn't move at all. I was frozen in place. Um, and now, like I said, but you still hear that reference to this day. So it's, it's just taken that it's a thing, and nobody has tested it, and nobody can prove it, but everybody knows it's true. So,
0: so I think when it comes to you know when it comes to cryptids or all this paranormal, I think we ought to test it.
1: We're going to test it. So right. we
0: are going to test it.
1: Because I, we might be wrong and there might be, I wouldn't put it, large mammals can cause infrasound, they can use it for communication. Um, the levels that they have been able to put forward in testing mm-hmm. have not had, and these, the levels that they, the guys that went myth musters did, that's a, had more power behind it than an elephant does. Right. So you're telling me that this monkey that maybe weighs 500 pounds, you know, or let's just say 1,000 pounds, let's go to the physical extreme of the, it's a big monkey, but that it's able to generate higher levels of infrasound than an elephant. Or let's, let's take it another step further. Um, marine biologists are on whales all the time, and whales use infrasound. Um, water is a better transmitter, short distance than that. I mean, mm-hmm. why are there not marine biologists just floating up to the surface, like, or are talking,
0: talking about, talking about the effects of yeah, the infrasound exactly. on them?
1: And they might be out there. I just haven't been able to find them, and I, yeah. I, I look pretty obsessively over it. But um,
0: I know that in um, what was that thing we watched recently? We watched um, Night of Terror with Jack Osborne. He was on there. He, they discussed infrasound on that. Yeah, but they
1: had a microphone that only goes down to twenty hertz. Infrasound's below twenty hertz.
0: Yeah, so right? they they're like, oh, well, this I don't measures. Know what they,
1: it. Were, they were, and then they played it, and you could hear it. Remember, they played yeah, the background, yeah, and you I could was hear like, well, It's noise. supposed to be
0: infrasound. How are you recording infrasound here?
1: Well, that's what happens. I mean, there's there's people that will talk about how they experience infrasound and it drained their equipment. I, I believe you that something's draining your equipment.
0: But I, I mean, didn't. Yeah, it wasn't infrasound. That's not how infrasound. Or sound a a sound
1: wave doesn't behaves. really drain your your equipment. That's not how it works. Now there's something else going on, but it's not infrasound that's doing it. But yeah. that's the thing: is that infrasounds just kind of come that catch-all thing for people who don't want to admit how weird it is to explain away the weirdness because they go, "Oh, it happens in nature." Yeah, it happens in nature, absolutely. But none of this happens in nature. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have tigers causing hallucinations or causing people to faint. Um, you don't have Uh, you don't have earthquakes go on and everybody within the range of that infrasound just keel over, you know, and start puking. Um, It just doesn't happen that way. It's just that we've got to get to the point where, you know, so much of this stuff you can't prove or verify, but some of it you can. And this is something like you talked about that where our plan is, is that we've uh, been able to source some equipment that people actually use to test for infrasound. And we're gonna test for it in the field in some of these areas where supposedly it happens at. And, you know, again, with the fact that you might be dealing with large creatures, we might find traces of it, you know. I don't, ex- and who knows, maybe I'll come back on, I'm not gonna, you're not gonna believe this, we found massive spikes of infrasound out there. Yeah. And then we both dropped and started getting sick. I mean, but we, we're we gonna have the ability to, to measure it and record it. Um, it's you can't just use a microphone that you get off Amazon that goes no. down to twenty hertz because that doesn't have the re-
0: and just say this records in yeah. sound.
1: Uh, what looked like happened is they put a, a regular microphone up to some sort of 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 a sound like software like um, epidemic not epidemic uh, Audacity that and then they just had a spectrograph running. Yeah. Um, but the equipment is—it's closer in nature almost to a seismograph. Mm-hmm. Um, you're measuring uh, the pressure waves of it within that. That again, we're kind of nerding out, but within that frequency range. But I think it goes to about point zero one five hertz up to the 20 hertz and then it just cuts off after that so it won't measure anything above 20 hertz
0: so so. spoiler alert the uh the equipment is currently being built yeah so
1: we'll have that before too long
0: yeah um i i think what's really important with the work that we do is that we are not the kind of people that want to subscribe to one camp or the other when it comes to trying to rationalize or explain or understand. I don't want to explain or rationalize anything. I want to just have a further understanding of all this phenomenon, or at least get a few more puzzle pieces here. Um, But I think it's really important, the work that we do, that we don't go into one camp or the other, that this is all Mm -hmm. a supernatural, um, just, just complete I guess everybody would call it the woo or whatever but we don't go it's either this or we are here it is pure science it is an ape in the woods you know we we don't we don't subscribe to either theory so wholeheartedly that we ignore data um we we want the data but you have to understand that there's still there is a supernatural component to this and
1: the fact that it's something that doesn't match up with nature as we or the natural world as we understand like you, it. Like so, you said
0: before, it's it's alien. It's completely yeah. out of our realm of understanding. And We're just
1: that might be alien from our own planet. It might just be something that's outside our realm of comprehension. Yeah, so. it could just
0: be something, which obviously it is. Um and so, but
1: your point's good, not to cut you off, I just want to say this is that because I don't think infrasounds a thing. I just don't. Um our friend Barton only thinks it it's psychically based, you think that there's something more metaphor physical possibly going on or whatever. Um I'll tell you I mean honestly, if you my guess is my instincts are telling me that the closest thing that you could come up to is is existential dread of some sort, where you are just maybe even you're not conscious of it or you're not aware of it on a conscious level, but you have been exposed to something that's just so beyond our Reality that it has an effect on you and whether that's just because of you could tie that into some form of radiation, um, psychic links, some sort of like something that we would consider magic or whatever. I just think that you were exposed to something briefly that is just so alien to you that it causes your body to Because I believe that these people are having this happen to
0: me. Yeah. But so so could it be that it's so extreme that even though most of us have cut ourselves off completely from the natural world as much as humanly possible, you know, so many people have done that, that you still have that in your DNA, an instinct that if something is so completely dangerous to you or out of your Mm -hmm. realm of understanding that your instincts kind of kick in and that existential dread.
1: I don't think it's your I don't think your instincts know what to do. So, I I honestly, and you people can think I'm crazy all you want, but I think that the closest parallel to it is um, pick up some H.P. Lovecraft sometimes, man. You talk about, you see the people, the protagonists in these books experiencing something that's just so cosmically wrong. And when I say wrong, maybe not wrong as an evil, but cosmically different that you, our monkey brains, can't comprehend it and we have a physical like a possum dropping you know what i'm saying not that it's a defense mechanism but our bodies just betray us at that moment yeah. and um our minds betray us at that moment and maybe there's a little sliver of it left and we carry it with us and it sounds weird but again like i said i'm not i'm not betting the the farm on it i mean we're going to test for infrasound and maybe we're going to come back and go all right we're back to the drawing board um we're not we're not saying we're hundred percent right on something, but I'm just saying if you to me, if you look at the totality of the accounts and what we do know about the physical world and how this doesn't match up to it, um, and what I think that we all kind of are starting to guess about the UAP phenomenon and the dogman and Sasquatch phenomena, that it's 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 cosmic horror, man. Cosmic it's cosmic horror. Yeah, it's it's it's
0: well it's, on that note Yeah.
1: But anyway, we're gonna we're gonna have this infrasound testing equipment and it's yeah. not gonna be it's we're gonna take it and we're gonna test it out in a couple spots that have have very compelling accounts of people suffering what they thought was infrasound. And we'll find yeah. out and then maybe we come back and we go, There is infrasound, we don't know how it's possible. Obviously what we thought we knew about it's incorrect, and now we gotta go back and start from square one again.
0: Yeah, well, that's what you do when you get new data. That's yeah. what you do when you find something out and you get just more little pinpoints on the map is that you you evolve your hypothesis. You take new information into into it and you, you realize that you can't sit in one camp or the other. You can't just stick with what you've thought forever and not evolve what you think this is if you're given new information. That's like what? the most important thing you can do Is is... Look into these things. You have the sum of human knowledge.
1: Right at your fingertips. Right
0: at your fingertips. And today, you know, that's lady. the
1: thing that I always go back to with people and their claims of what infrasound is doing. Um, they already had, they're already stuck on the idea that these are just normal biological creatures. Yeah. And they cherry picked out what they thought was a, a natural occurrence because they think that tigers can paralyze their prey and they think that infrasound can cause hallucinations. Well, I saw this thing disappear. I'll just hit you with infrasound and, and major eyeballs resonate. And um, they 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 cherry pick these unfair verified comments that support their position, and then they ignore verified information. Um, it may not be complete information, but at least what's there is verified. Uh, and they ignore that because it it basically tells them that if all right, if this happened to you, it's not infrasound. It's something far stranger. If it's far stranger, that just means that there's not a, a wood ape running around out there. You know yeah. So, so there you go.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. For, for this. the three
1: people that are still listening at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> for this cosmic horror of data yeah, that we've heard. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited about this infrasound equipment coming in. Yeah. Uh, we've been planning on this for a long time. Um, you know us, we always have some kind of new experiment under our sleeves. And they've
1: had a, a variation of this because people use it for what we talked about today. They, they use it on elephant preserves, yeah, and they use it for areas who were testing for new windmill facilities, but we needed it a little bit different. We needed it that could be taken into the field. Yes. Uh, wouldn't be dependent upon the, we, we can't lug it around the power supply, so there had to be some variations to it um, to be useful for what we need to use it for, so. Um,
0: oh, those hellbent holler kids are at it again. again so. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being a part of the Dark Dive and Hellbent Holler family. Make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to the channel. We've got some new investigations coming up, so you don't have to watch us sit behind this table forever. Uh, Make sure that you leave a comment below. Tell us what you think is going on with infrasound. Have you ever had an experience with the Oz factor? Um, And and just let us know. We're curious about what your experience is and what your theories are. Uh, We want to discuss this. This is how we get forward Mm -hmm. in this field is let's have these discussions. Let's gather data and let's do this the right Way, um, a little housekeeping on upcoming events. I am speaking at Wild and Weird Con. Um, I'm doing the night hike before that Friday before, so it's October 14th and 15th. Again, October 14th and 15th. Um, It's in Chief Logan State Park in Logan, West Virginia. We're gonna be up there and we're gonna be having such a great Mm -hmm. time. The night hike we're doing beforehand uh, on that Friday, we're gonna have all of our equipment with us. I'm gonna show you guys how I use it, how we go into the field with it. You get to actually use the equipment that we use in the field when we do our expeditions so if you want to come to that go to wildandweirdwv.com you can get tickets and you can sign up for that friday night event with me So thank you guys so much for joining us. We love you guys to death. Again, comment below. Um, Send us your experiences. Hellbentholler at gmail.com. We love hearing it. We love all these tips you guys give us. We love hearing about your experiences. And um, we just appreciate you so, so much. Um, Thank you so much. And this has been Dark Dive. Bye, guys.